Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend and my colleague and my co-host, Ross Ferguson. How are you, man? Back in the booth. Always enjoy being here. Yeah. You know, you were in this uh, some advertisement for the seminary over the holidays. <laughs> yes, we were. Um, it was a little short film. It was more. It was less of an ad and more of a short film, it yeah, felt like it to like me. Three, it was like three, four minutes, yeah. And in that short film, uh-huh. uh, you utilize a VCR. I do. And uh, I made a comment. I don't know yes. if it was on the air. Or I just made a I comment about it. I think you made it on, like, on, yeah, on the like podcast. I, I wanted yeah, a VCR, yeah. and I've been looking for one. And I don't know if you passed it along or if it just was in the, yeah. in the, in the ether, but... I got an email from uh-huh. Anthony o- over the holidays, yeah. and he said, uh, I got something for you. You can come pick it up, and he posted a photo in the email, and it's the VCR. There I'm going to get the famous, the famous Ferguson family Ferguson. VCR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really stoked. B- Becky bought me a VHS tape yeah. for Christmas. I don't have a VCR yet, but she's yeah. like, in anticipation, I know that you, you want to get a VCR. I got you a, a cassette tape at Half Price Books, and it's, it's Casablanca oh, there on you VHS. Go. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to connect people. I did mention some things behind the scenes to try and get people yeah. to realize that, you know, the cause of Jared Wilson's need for a VCR, <laughs> you know. I appreciate advocating for me, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, my question is, did you actually use this VCR or was that a special effect? I Well, I, I mean, it was a special effect. You pressed the tape into yeah. it, but did it play that tape? No, it did not play that oh, tape. It did okay. not play that tape. Okay. And uh, that was a special effect. Um, so we don't really even know if this VCR works. Well, but what, what I will say is we didn't plug it in the first time around. So when I pushed it in, it just kept popping oh, yeah, the tape good. out. Okay. So then we switched on and then it actually took it. So I all we've But it done, wasn't connected to a TV or anything? No. Okay. All we've done is like pushed the tape in 15 times because it took 15 takes to do it. So Why does it know. take 15 takes to put well, a because tape into a VCR? Well, I put it in and I left the finger there too long. Is and it because you're too young to remember VCRs? No, or I had VCRs growing up. I had that. I mean, okay. see, I could have made a really snarky comment, but our last episode said we had to think the best of each other. So. <laughs> a snarky comment? Like what? Like yeah. I'm old or I mean, what? Well, yeah, I'm not going to go down that uh, road. How's that snarky? I am old. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> One the question I have, though, is, okay. you know, you're talking about VCRs, you're talking about holiday time, you're talking about all of the, you know, movies and things like that. Yeah. My big question that I've been kind of burning to ask is, did you finish the book? Like the amount of posts you posted about, I'm trying to finish the book, I'm trying to finish the book. Did you finish the book? I did not finish the book. You did not finish no. the book. I got sick. Okay, uh, sure. I did. <laughs> I got, so we all got sick. Uh, family came to town. They brought their germs with them. I got sick from the, the, the week. Not, I mean, I was sick. I'm still kind of sick, but I was sick. For, uh, I preached Sunday sick. Yeah. Or not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before last. Yeah, so I got sick. And then when I felt good enough ministry travel kicked in yeah. I went to Iowa so I'm behind I did not the, the short okay. answer is no I did not finish the book okay. yeah but I have not heard from my editor I'm a little but don't worry you've got Casablanca to watch while you're uh... <laughs> I've been working man I would love to watch Casablanca no I'm yeah I gotta finish it thanks for making me feel really anxious <laughs> on this podcast hey I'll turn it around really quickly okay. I finally watched A Wonderful Life yeah uh, it's, a wonderful, it's life. a wonderful yeah, life yeah 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 uh, and uh, I mean these podcasts are coming out what February no so. this is I or January, February. January yeah. So, well, anyway, this has been rolling on for a couple of years. Jared. It's like, you've got to watch yeah. it. And I was like, I don't watch movies pre-90s and black and white. I feel like the time thing doesn't matter anymore. Because no. sometimes people listen to these things weeks after. Yeah. They store them up. So, yeah. like, time is relative on the but podcast. But I, I really enjoyed it. Good. I, I really, I, I would definitely put that right to the top of my favorite Christmas movie. There you go. So. It's almost a Christian movie. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> not really. The theology is no. bad with the, the angels and the angels all that turning sort of deal. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, if you just earning their wings and yeah. that kind of thing. And don't worry, when you lose money, you'll gain. Ah, right, there's a good Christian movie. But on that reference. level, it's kind of like a, a yeah. Christian movie because the theology is always bad in Just, those things. Oh, <laughs> 2024 should not start hey, with this fight I have this again. idea. So I have a friend actually who's in the Christian movie okay. business. Oh, wow. And I've thought about having him on as a guest to talk to him about like, hey, just Can I be on that episode as well? And it's not just two of you. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you have to promise like to ask good journalistic questions and okay. not just be like, I think what you do is amazing and everything is great. I, I want to ask him the, the hard hitting questions. I don't know if he'll come on because I've been so negative about Christian movies. Do you know what? I bet you would come on if it was just me and him. We could, just, we could just talk about it. You could just talk to him. We yeah. could just ditch the host and we just go co-host and guest. There and, you go. And then, yeah. and then it would be, uh, the listeners would love that. Just yeah. a, a lovely, warm conversation about Christian movies. It's an episode I would not listen to. <laughs> hey, we're talking about leading with brokenness mm. today. I don't have a transition for that. This is another one of those, um, yeah. I sent you an email. Yeah. Hey, any suggestions? And... Uh, apparently, your wife is the brain trust of the so, of the family. Well, this one actually <laughs> has come from a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So, so he is a pastor. Uh, he's been a pastor for thirty plus years in the same church. Oh, wow. Has struggled over the years with anxiety and uh, has actually been taken out of work for two periods in the thirty years of just you know anxiety and mm. and feeling down. Uh, and one of the things we've talked about over over the years is just. Uh, what he would define as the theology of brokenness and this idea that it's interesting how many pastors struggle in some form of way. Now, that whether that struggles with anxiety or periods of feeling low or stress or, or just you know, just the weight of ministry can, can, can lead them to, to a brokenness of some sort where just their heart, their soul, their mind, something is just out of kilter and, and they feel broken. And it's one of those things of the question kind of comes up is, does God call broken people or does the ministry break them? And how do we prepare people for ministry that that can so often break something within somebody as they, they minister? Or are we both just on a completely different track and, and you don't think that, that people <laughs> serve that are broken? But I feel like in my experience, most pastors I, I speak to have some form of kind of brokenness that they carry around and that they struggle with. Or when yeah. ministry gets tough, that's the thing that that really bubbles to the surface, that, that they really struggle with. I think that's true of most seasoned pastors. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a fair amount of beginning pastors or younger pastors who haven't quite yet had their legs knocked out from under them. Yeah. And many times the their first pastorate is the thing that mm-hmm. begins that, begins that, yeah. that brokenness journey. But I— I think the answer to the question is, does God call broken people or does the ministry break them? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I, I don't think there's some kind of prerequisite of like you have to have a certain level of trauma or, you know, hurtfulness or brokenness in your life before you're qualified for ministry. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think ministering to others effectively and biblically, pastorally, requires a level of empathy yeah. and understanding, even if you don't know the specific brokenness of someone, like you haven't experienced this particular thing that they've experienced, you know, ministering to abuse victims or something, and and you have not personally experienced, you know, physical abuse or something, just the ability to empathize or the ability to come alongside them and, and, and care for them sensitively, help them, you know, see Jesus in those moments. 
requires at least uh, a, a level of humility that comes mm. through through your own hurts. Yeah. Not just a, I'm applying the religious technology to you because I know the right theological answers. Well, mm-hmm. you, you got to have the right theological answers. That's a, that's an, it's a non-starter if you don't. But applying that from a place of caring, of sensitivity, mm-hmm. you know, I think of like Isaiah 40, you know, speak tenderly to the people. There's something about the mm-hmm. tone, the disposition, the posture that ministers as well. Yeah. And so I think I'm, I know our last episode, you know, we talked about not thinking, you know, less of each other or being suspicious, but I'm somewhat suspicious, think of this yeah. in the right way, of pastors who don't, uh, who give the impression that nothing bad's ever happened yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. And they don't, you know, everything's great. Every yeah. morning they wake up, they've never, you know, yeah. they've, they've never had a bad day, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So I I think there's an effectiveness and I think a sweetness. I think the because the ministry of the cross mm-hmm. is the center you know, centerpiece of the gospel, ministering from a place of brokenness yeah. is how we effectively minister the gospel. Yeah. I, I, and I think there's two types of brokenness. I was thinking just when you were saying that, the, the, the brokenness that we see in, in the cross in the sense of that suffering. But I think there's also self-inflicted suffering. So, okay. so that was for me in early ministry. If I look back in the first kind of three, four years, I think the brokenness that I was feeling was my own sinful tendencies that would then knock me back because it wouldn't go the right way and then I would respond incorrectly or behave incorrectly. And I would say that there is a brokenness that the pastors can suffer and, and, and any ministry leader can suffer because it's self-inflicted, because they actually are not concentrating on Christ. They're leading inappropriately. And in some senses, that's right to be broken in in, in that sense because you shouldn't get success or or feel good or be at peace when your ministry is questionable because of your behavior. Um, But the brokenness, I think, that I'm kind of leaning towards at the minute was that I felt personally during the COVID kind of season in in church. So UK rules, very different from US rules. Our church building was physically closed for for several months. And I just remember struggling to sleep at night Mm. because I had 150 souls that I was responsible for. And other church pastors I was working with in, in kind of the local area, their members were beginning to die from COVID. We had several members that were really terrified of COVID and then just trying to how to minister to the people of not being scared to death. Also just genuinely loving the church, leading the church in that season, growing the church. I, I really struggled to sleep. And it was this sense every time my head went on the pillow, that brokenness off. I don't know if I'm physically and mentally capable of doing this every day. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I would argue that that my family very much saw the worst of me in that time. And it was the, the brokenness of even when you're doing everything correctly, something just doesn't feel right. And mm. for me, it was the anxiety of, I hope I am leading these people before the Lord correctly, rightly. I hope that they're turning their eyes to the right direction. And, and I think that's the question that I have really is if if we agree that yes, pastors are often broken and if they're not broken, they're they're probably really early on and they just haven't experienced something like this. How do you handle that? How do you handle when, you know, if, if you're not in church ministry and, and you're struggling with anxiety, feeling down, something like that, quite often you can just hide, you can take a break, you can you can take a trip. Pastors don't really have that privilege per se. It's really hard to just close the door and be with family and just and kind of work through that quite often the role is so public yeah how do you serve 
when you feel broken inside, when something isn't <clears throat> right, or the question maybe is, is it ever right? That sense of do pastors ever have, quote, it all right? Or is everything, is there always something that's broken and they just have to learn to manage that? A lot of thoughts there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I've been thinking because I, I think there's a line between, and maybe it's a, a thin line, between ministering from your brokenness, being honest, transparent, mm. confessional. There's a line between that and, I don't know, being a being a mess all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and being uh, overcome by Being it. ineffective and wearing your feelings on your shirt sleeves. And mm. so I, I don't think the answer is that we model to our church just being a, a mess all the time and not able to function. Mm. And because in some ways that's a, you know, that's a, I guess in some ways that can be a testimony to our own, our brokenness, but it's not a very good testimony to the Lord's sustenance. It's not a good mm. testimony to faith. So I don't think it means that faith is going to cure everything and you're going to feel fine and everything's going to be great and, uh, and those sorts of things. But I do think that maybe there's a line of, of disqualification, and I don't necessarily mean like morally, like mm. you've disqualified yourself morally, but where someone needs to be somewhat state, you know, it needs to be stable, yeah. right? So I don't know if this connects to just the idea of like managing, mm. um, you, you know, managing. There have been times where I have broken down in the pulpit, you know, in tears, because of the weight of things going on that I have not been able to mm. process and something that I'm preaching or teaching like catches up with me in the moment yeah. and it just overcomes me. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've had that experience, but but it has happened before. And I simultaneously feel like, okay, this is okay that they're seeing me as a real person. Yeah. And at the also at the same time, this is not what a pastor should be doing in front of everyone on a Sunday morning. You know, it's it's one thing if I'm speaking with friends or I'm with my, you know, the yeah. other elders or and and I'm getting emotional, you know, speaking about something that's going on in my life. It's another thing to be, to turn the Sunday morning gathering into a therapy session yeah, of some yeah. kind. <laughs> so I, I think, and I, and I don't know where the line is, but I think there's a point at which it may become immodest to kind of mm. be like, you know, making it about yourself to always be. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to go the other direction, which is we never talk about our problems. Yep. We're never real people. Yep. We just keep it right up here on the surface. The pastor's a superhero who yeah. nothing bad ever happens to him. So I think there's there are ways in 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 your preaching, teaching, certainly in in counseling and discipleship, to be honest and to be transparent mm. about. Um, and I think that flavors, you know, biblical preaching and teaching really well. Like, yeah, it it, it takes it out of the, you know the realm of the, of the theoretical and makes the preacher a real person. Yeah, which is I think can be hugely shaping and impactful for yeah. for, for Christians. So I guess I mean it's a long answer to your question. I think the answer is, I think, yes, there's a way to manage it, but mm. I don't think that means suppressing it. Yeah. But neither does that mean... Like overflowing. Over, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, that you're just sort of an yeah. exposed nerves all the time, you know? Yeah. I, a senior pastor I once worked with said that, that he would never permit a pastor in his preaching to say something he was struggling with within the sermon. Mm. He felt that that would be a bad example, as in you, you were saying you know, to your, to your church, you know, follow my example because I struggle too. So you can struggle too. It's like you're giving them permission. <laughs> and maybe I it's actually, the example of being confessional. Well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I actually do believe sometimes that the pastors almost in, in some senses, I'm thinking this not, uh, you know, in a strict, strict manner, but give the church permission to say, this is tough. Cause I, I remember during that kind of COVID season, actually writing a letter to the church and just kind of telling them just how it, how it feels, what's going on. 
and just being honest with the church saying, you know, I, I am working a lot and I'm serving you guys. I'm doing the best I can, but I want to, I want to be honest with you. Yeah, This is really tough and I need you to pray for me as I pray for you. And there is that sense of saying openly, I do feel broken in this moment, but, and, and this is the, the passage that came to my mind over and over and over again at, during those season at Psalm 34, 18 and 19, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And it was that last line, the Lord delivers them out of them all, even if on this earthly realm, I'm crushed over and over and over again by some form of brokenness, eternally I'll be delivered from them. And I remember thinking that through that season, I want to be honest with the church, as in this is really tough in my life. And, and if, I, if I'm being open, I'm not sleeping. I am really struggling. But, and the but is really important. I know that scripture tells me that I should expect these afflictions and that I will be delivered from them. Maybe not right now, but but eternally I will be. And I and I moved my prayer from uh, pray for me during this tough time to pray that I would trust the Lord will deliver me from this. And I think that's something that's kind of kept in my mind off. We don't want robotic pastors. And I, I know of some, even just in, in the circles I'm connected with, that just never seem to have a problem. And mm -hmm. even when you know they do have a problem, it's, uh, you know, paint the smile on, let's let's crush it in ministry again this weekend. <laughs> when I, What's that like? <laughs> where I, would, I, I think it's helpful to have a pastor that says, I am not superhuman. I am just as flawed, but I am daily going to this passage and remembering that, that God is near me, that the afflictions will keep mounting, but but I will be delivered from them. Now, that's really easy for us to say in this little, what, 10 foot by 10 foot room, whatever size it is. That's hard in the moment. Yeah. That's really hard when you wake up and you're just anxious. I, I have, when I'm anxious, I get like a really sore lower back. And so Miriam will know if I say, oh, my back's kind of sore today. She knows that I'm kind of going over, mulling over something. It's really hard in that moment when you're you're not sleeping, you're you're showing physical signs of of your struggle and someone just comes along and goes, hey, the Lord will deliver you. Don't worry. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. So I think that's something that I don't know if I've ever quite, I'm still grappling with that. How do, you, how do you prepare yourself for the moment? Not just in this room that we say, hey, don't worry about it. You know, the Lord's got you. Focus on the cross. Many are his afflictions and he was delivered. How do you do that in the moment? How do you do it when you, when you are broken, when something snaps? It's a fascinating question because in my mind, it's easier to do those things oh, when really? I'm in periods of brokenness because w when I feel like my self-sufficiency, my own strength, mm. my own, you know, wherewithal is like obviously failing me. I, yeah. I, I don't, I can't put the, you know, happy face on mm. and I can't have the facade of everything's yeah. great. It actually pushes me deeper into the cross mm. the more I'm in touch with my aff mm. affliction. So in, 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 in the place of brokenness, I think the theological, yeah. you know, re rescue or the resource somehow comes easier to mind. Oh. See, I me. tend to fight it. I tend to <laughs> fight it. I tend to be like, I shouldn't yeah. be like this. I should be able to get on with it. Do you know, people are relying on me. You know, I, I'm, I, I fight in those moments. Yeah. Well, if you mean like in terms of being open with other people, yeah. I, I, I totally, you know, feel that. So my temptation, and I think maybe the temptation for a lot of guys isn't necessarily I've got to fake it so people think I'm a superhero yeah. or think I've, I do everything right or 
it, it's not that kind of pride. Mm. The reason they don't tell other, you know, others is because they don't want to burden them or they don't want yeah. to be someone's yeah, project in some way, but or, you know, they don't want to cause anyone else to worry. Yeah. I've certainly concealed things that I was struggling with or, or, or working through or that just were hurtful in order to, in my own mind, spare others yeah. having to share this anxiety or Definitely. share the concern or something like that. And, and I know that's a, a form of pride too, but it's a different kind of pride yep. than like I want to be seen as some kind yeah. of untouchable, invincible person. Yeah. I, I don't care about that per se. It's more of just I feel like I'm protecting other people. And it's definitely as a pastor, you feel that a lot. You know, I I should be caring for you, not not you caring for me, which is is a warped way of thinking, actually, within the the body of Christ. If one suffers, all suffer. If if, if one is riding a high, we all are. You know, it's that sense of actually the pastor is not removed from that teaching. When you're so aware, you're more aware than most people in in, in some respects of the brokenness in your church. Mm. And so it's sort of like, Am I just going to like put this on top of everything? Yeah. No, I've got to somehow keep it together yeah. and conceal because I, there's a lot of people hurting. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I don't want to act like, hey, everyone, I need your, yeah. your attention. Or, I mean, I had that, like that during during the COVID season where we actually, a, a friend of mine who passed to the church had 30 people in the church, older church. Half the church died from COVID. Oh, my word. And so when he returned to the building, he literally returned to half the church and I remember at the time when he shared that in a kind of uh, a mentorship uh, group, I remember thinking at the time, I'm really anxious because my church is on that limit of we need to return, but we have a bit of division and it's kept me up the last few nights. And and I, if it's kind of mounting on what has already been an, an anxious time for me. So the sleep was very much like, and I just, I just didn't want to share because I was kind of going, this guy literally has had 50 members die. Like I, I'm not <laughs> yeah. sharing. And there's yeah. just that sense, that burden. I, hey, the passage that keeps coming to my mind when we're talking is Hebrews 12 from verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ has been there in, in that brokenness, endured the cross. Like When I read the, the passion narrative, it is overwhelming to think what Christ had to go through and the pain, the suffering, the shame, the despising, the spitting at him, the name calling. And, and you're talking, you know, for, for quote, a human being, that would, that would have broken us. But Christ endured all the way to the end. And that to me is a great comfort to know that whatever my broken issue is, that Christ has endured all and he sits at the right hand of God and he therefore knows exactly how to comfort us. So one of the things I would say to anyone that's that's leading in this moment of brokenness is don't turn to the things that you think will help you. You know, when I struggled with sleep, I would just go and watch movies. <laughs> I just escape in movies. Or, you know, I, I know a pastor friend of mine who when he's anxious, uh, he just switches everything off and goes for a walk. And I always ask him, well, what do you do on that walk? And he might, I don't know, I just walk. And it's that we we humanly put things in place, which yeah. can be helpful for the first hour or two, but it is only Christ who knows exactly how to comfort our brokenness, exactly how to uh, help us endure them, exactly how to deliver us from them. And I think as pastors, we really easily forget that. We really easily forget the that Christ is the answer because we think it, Surely that's too simple. That's like a Sunday school answer. Jesus is the answer. Surely that's, you know, yeah. my brokenness. There must be something more complicated I should do to get out of this situation. When actually the simple answer is 
Christ endured and he knows how to care for you in your brokenness. A.W. Tozer said, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him mm. deeply. Wow. I've, I've also seen it expressed, God will not use a man, use a man greatly yeah. until he has hurt him deeply. You agree with that? I think that's... I don't think God specifically is the one that hurts us. <laughs> well, um, if he is sovereignly uh, but over th- all things, then I think he's if, certainly allowing yeah, the hurt. You know? I think if you look over history, the people that we would name, the people that we would look at, the, the people that have endured long ministries have had a deep level of brokenness at some yeah. point. So, I, and, I, and I tend to agree. And I think, you know, certainly a profound experience of the gospel makes the best gospel ministers. Mm. That's a word of encouragement, I think. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's really struggling, really hurting, feels, you know, this palpable sense of brokenness, is to say, the Lord can use this yeah. and, in fact, prefers to use this when we are weak. Yeah. God is strong. And so in that sense, his, his strength is perfected in your weakness. The weaker you are, the, the more yeah. strength of God can shine through. I think of, you know, when I think about the transparency question, like, you know, do we— you know, tell others about this, or do we mm. sort of lead from this, preach from this, et cetera? And others say, like, oh, you, sh- you, you know, you shouldn't do that. There needs to be mm. this sort of, you know, it's one thing to talk to a counselor, or maybe to a close friend, but like to your congregation, yeah. you shouldn't really own up to these things. And and I and I just think of Paul like over and over yeah. and over again, and 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 there's not a whiff of self pity. Yeah. I, I mean, that again, there's the line there. I think, and and it's certainly there's one thing if you're just constantly, yeah, you know. You know, throwing a pity party in front of you know everybody—that's one thing. It becomes immodest, but yeah. transparency is good. And mm-hmm. Paul is 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 demonstrating. So, like, I mean, you know, talking about his thorn in the flesh, talking about his, you know the list of afflictions. I've been shipwrecked. I've been yeah. you know, I've been whipped. I've been you know all these sorts of things. And then I think in Second Corinthians six, he says, "As God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance, by afflictions." by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, sleepless nights, times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see we live as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you. This is where I think it's really key because he's he just lists all these things, good, yeah. bad, I mean, everything. This is what yeah. we've experienced. And he's including hardships and difficulties and poverty and all these things as just part of the the resource of ministry alongside times of enrichment and times of glory and times of love. Mm. And then he says, we've spoken openly to you. Our hearts have been opened wide. We're not withholding our affection from Mm. you. And then he means that as an example to others. So he says, but you're withholding yours from us. So the proper response, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 13, the proper response is open your heart to us. Mm. So the goal is not like, hey, you need to, you know, know how bad I've got it so that you, number one, think that I'm, you know, some great minister or be so that I become sort of an object of pity for you, hmm. but it's so that I can be known. I yeah. want to be a known person, not yeah. just a platform person, yeah. but a known person. My heart is open to you. 
And I want to know you. So mm. in response, open your heart to us. This is the, I think, the aim of leading with brokenness yeah. is that we become, you know, Christ is magnified through our being reduced to who we really are yeah. and not to some persona, pastoral or otherwise. And, and those moments in a church family or even as you, you lead and serve, as painful as they can be, are often beautiful moments. You know, if you think about the times where we've had people in offices or we've visited people and and they've broken down or or you've actually then had to share some of your experience, there are often moments of great change in terms of a relationship where you've walked through that together. And I think pastors coming in, having never experienced that, can be wary. Do you know, I, I, I shouldn't, they're expecting a lot of me. My job's on the line. I, I you know, they expect me to, to be this type of pastor, I, I would counsel you exactly as you just said, don't come into a church with guards up. You, you, you might be hurt. You might say things and share things where people will use it against you. But worse is the one that comes in and serves with brick walls right around them yeah. and doesn't, doesn't let anyone in to be known, to, to be shared. And a word to kind of church members, treat, treat that honorably. I've definitely been in situations where I've opened and, and shared a struggle and, and it very much has been used against me. Yep. Um, don't, don't be those types of members. Do you know, when when you've shared, you know, I remember sharing to one particular member how exhausted I was from from just the, the run of ministry. Lo and behold, next member's meeting, a vote of no confidence over my current ministry because I wasn't able to cope with the pressure. And you just think, I'm just tired. I just need yeah. a little bit of a break. Give me a week off, do you know, some rest. But yeah, I, I don't, let's not abuse each other's struggles and trials for our own agenda. I had a lady once who, I mean, this was not, it was a shock even though, it, or it was a surprise, but not a shock, I guess I should say, because she had become really a constant critic and accuser. But I was sharing that like as a solo pastor, I had kind of hit my ceiling mm my leadership capacity to the church. The church had grown to a point where I just was like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. And rather than go, oh, we need to get our pastor help, yeah. it, she made the case behind my back that I'm not, that I was disqualified from ministry. Yeah. You know, because, you know, obviously yeah. one of the qualifications for ministry is to have a leadership yeah. capacity beyond a certain number on your own, you know. Yeah. And I just thought, I mean, I was so hurt by that, yeah. but I was like, this is what this yeah. person does. Yeah. Is You know, she'll take, if she sees a, a chink in the armor. She gonna put, she's going to put a dagger in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's going to exploit the weakness. But then the temptation is then not to share. And I would say yeah. for those that have shared their brokenness and and then had it put put against them, don't be tempted to go back to the brick wall phase. Like really keep that open. And again, what we're saying is we're not saying become a kind of driveling mess every single week. But what we are saying is almost strategically being open with with members of the church and being willing. To be hurt by that, I always think of Christ again. I've said this on the way to the cross. His own friends were disowning him when he was at his most extreme yeah. trial. We have to some point expect that we might be standing on our own, but it's beautiful to be able to know that even when we stand on our own, Christ is comforting us, delivering us, and near to the brokenhearted. Yeah, that's a good word to end on. If you enjoy the podcast, dear listener, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. 
This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.